Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, so today we are here with Rachel Steen of Balance Point Equestrian Learning Center. And Rachel is my personal trainer and mentor who I've been working with for um, probably like a year now, maybe less than that, but probably close to a year. And it's been really helpful for her to kind of guide me in my training. And she just has a lot of valuable information. So I'm really excited to have her here to be able to talk about some of the stuff that she knows and has been working on. And specifically, she's also been doing a lot of work with young horses. So we thought today we would ask her some questions about kind of raising young horses and especially raising them with positive reinforcement since I think kind of like the first sort of horses that are being fully raised with positive reinforcement a lot of them are kind of starting to grow up now I think it's been a lot of kind of crossover horses and now there's some that are really starting to be raised with positive reinforcement so that's really cool um but yeah, Rachel, maybe would you want to just like tell us a little bit about yourself and like your experience with horses and stuff? Sure. Um, my name is Rachel Steen and I am the owner of the Balance Point Equestrian Learning Center. And uh, we started in 2000 working basically on holistic uh, equine rehab and uh, trying to find out how do we, how can we have the best performance horse and how can we have the best relationship with our horse and not end up with horses that break down or, you know, have a lot of other physical issues. And the bottom line was that uh, getting the horses out of stress, physical and mental stress is the best way to have them living long and healthy lives. And the best way to do that is to use positive reinforcement. Um, I have been, uh, I mixed positive and traditional and natural horsemanship training for many years. And I can tell people the good and the bad and the ugly from mixing. Um, but uh, I went completely force-free positive reinforcement um, in even with our boarding and rehab horses about uh, seven years ago. And it's been great because I get to see how the things that I did when I was very young and using primarily positive reinforcement, but not understanding that that was what it was, how, how those things worked and, and why I got such good results. And now I can teach others and finally get that same strong relationship um, that that I was able to get when when I was a young person starting out with horses. So I'm very excited to work with people and also help them as they uh, navigate training youngsters or training retraining other horses. Um, you know, it's with youngsters they have less experience so those life experiences that you put in there mean a lot more to them and therefore they learn quickly 
but it can also be a little frustrating for people because they can also pick up things that you weren't intending for them to learn very quickly. So it's important when you're working with a youngster to have a very good, solid understanding of what it is you want and not just what you don't want, which is, of course, where positive reinforcement has a great um, ability to to teach the human and the horse to think in terms of what is going well versus what is not going well. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think that's a lot of what I really like about positive reinforcement too. Like just, I've spent so much time kind of being like, oh, what is my horse doing wrong? Like I would feel really embarrassed or really just kind of like, I didn't know what I was doing or what I could do to make the horse not do things wrong. But now instead of focusing on that, I can focus on what do I actually want the horse to do? So I think that's really helpful. And especially with young horses, like you said, who don't have as much experience, it's kind of like a nice clean slate, probably. Although, of course, they do have still like learning history and experiences. They probably might have less of kind of the traditional baggage that we might see in a lot of crossover horses. So I think that is a really kind of promising thing of young horses and kind of being able to actually see all of their natural behaviors like um a lot of young horses that I've interacted with although I've never like actually trained a young horse um they're kind of very curious and they really like to explore the environment and I see a lot of older horses don't have that as much and it may just be because they're older and more mature but it also may be because they've been kind of punished throughout their life for having that curiosity for like mouthing at things or for going in a direction that the person didn't want them to go. So they get sort of shut down. So I think that, you know, the younger horses aren't shut down, that can make them more challenging, but it also seems like a really good opportunity to be able to kind of shape their future in the direction that you want and be able to do that in a way that can still kind of like maintain their natural behaviors and kind of like what is good about being a horse and like everything that horses enjoy doing and kind of make it enjoyable for everyone. Yeah, well, with the adult horses that um, have, you know, prior experiences, you know, with humans, or even, even if they don't have, if even if they were off the range, they're adult horses who they have, um, you know, a lot of life experiences every day every year is full of learning experiences and those experiences shape the way they incorporate the new experiences so people can get frustrated working with the older horses because um, they feel like oh it's taking so long but you have to realize that uh, you are putting in more good experiences so that they start to understand that now they can relax around humans and that they don't have to worry about doing, you know, getting an answer wrong, that the humans are going to be patient and they're not going to cause them pain. And so really most of what people, when they get started with positive reinforcement and they're working with a horse that, you know, an, an older horse, which is really a good way to do it, just keep in mind that while the human is practicing and learning the mechanics of doing positive reinforcement, clicker training the horse is learning that humans can be trusted now and they are st starting to get to a point where 
they can kind of open up their mind and, and go, okay, this is not like what has happened to me in the past. So why don't I listen to what this human is offering me and, and participate? And that's what takes most of the time when people get started is um, as well as them learning, but the horse also learning that they have new options now and they don't have to be afraid. Yeah, that's a really good point. This isn't really related to what you were just saying, but still on the topic of young horses. So I was just wondering what you consider a young horse versus an adult horse, because I feel like within the horse community as a whole, that idea kind of varies a lot on the specific age groups and where they fall. Well, it's a lot like um, people, you know, look at dogs and, you know, they they think, oh, well, you know, it's a puppy or it's an adult. And, you know, I've raised enough dogs also to know that, you know, you don't really have a full brain on a dog until they're like two. So, you know, uh, with, a, with a young horse, uh, with a horse, you really don't have an adult brain until they're four. Um, you know, their bodies continue growing until they're six or seven and eight. But uh, mentally, their ability to process, to focus, um, to really take information in and think about it versus just, you know, respond immediately, it, it takes quite a while. And um, some, you know, there's obviously thoroughbreds are out there racing as two-year-olds. And so that, those are just like little kids that are being whipped around the track. Um, you know, they mentally, there's not really anybody home up there. They're just reacting. Uh, when you have, a, you, when you raise a horse, now they can also vary in how quickly they adapt to things. But really just keep in mind that just like, human children go through stages where they can be very emotional, where they can have meltdowns. Um, horses have the same thing. So, you know, two-year-old horse can go very quickly in a matter of seconds from everything is okay to uh, I don't like this. Ah, and just has like a little explosion. And so, it's up to us to be their babysitters, to watch them, to give them the support they need so that they can learn the life skills, to uh, deal with their emotions, to figure out that, okay, yes, it's fine that you are frustrated that you, that you don't like this or whatever, but uh, here, instead of you know stomping on that thing over there, how about we take a walk over here? Or if they do start to like thrash about, like they're they're just like having a, a big hissy fit, just leave, just walk away, let them have their hissy fit and then say, okay, you've stopped now, you've had a time to, to cry it out, then let's talk about, let's see if we can uh, do something that, you know, is fun. So for me, a young horse, is anyone that is under you know five years old and what i look at with that is that the younger they are the more 
attention that I have to give them. So when they're really young, then, you know, I don't mean like hours. I mean, like when I'm there, my focus has to be a hundred percent on them so that I can uh, avoid situations where they end up, you know, I don't want them to do something that I don't want. So I want to, you know, keep track of what's going on and, and avoid being in a situation uh, where they might learn something that I don't want them to know. Like, you know, youngsters have a, a tendency to have lots of energy and they can want to rear and bite and kick and play because they have their bodies. They're getting to learn how to use their bodies and those bodies are all over the place. And so one of the things I work with the young horses, um, you know, when they start to get unfocused on what I'm asking them to do or they start to get bouncy is what I call it then I just leave, you know, and at that point, I'm usually also using scratches uh, for my main reward. Um, because when you get to raise them, when they love scratches, they love being with you, they love interactions with you. So that's the best thing. And unfortunately, I can't leave them with a bunch of scratches, but I just like pat them. And I will leave and then uh, they will usually go play with someone else. And then I'll come back in later when I feel like they've calmed down, but that's a big part of, instead of the way that we've been taught traditionally is that if a youngster is acting up, then you have to show them who's boss and all that stuff. All you have to do is just walk away. Again, it's just like a little human child having a meltdown just because they don't know how to deal with their emotions doesn't mean that we have to add to those emotions we can um you know hopefully we've given them a another horse to be their nanny um to help them guide them through the gr growing and developing and socialization pro pro uh, process and so that when we do step away that they have their other horse friends to help them um, learn what to do with those emotions. I've never worked with foals, like really young horses, but my younger horse was three when I got him. He's six now, so he's matured quite a bit, but I definitely experienced a lot of those really big emotions and the crazy playfulness and being invest investigating with the treat pouch and things like that. So I guess my question would be, with younger horses, how do you teach them boundaries and how to take treats well once you get to using treats rather than scratches? So we start working on boundaries before, you know, we go in with them. Well, okay, so the ideally you're able to be around and just kind of sit outside, let them get used to you, let them come investigate you. Uh, one thing that's important when they start investigating is not to scare them by trying to do too much at once. That's, I see that with people all the time is that, you know, the foal comes up and so they're like, oh, I want to scratch his head. I'm like, no, don't scratch his head. Just let him, let him come up and smell you and all that. So um, by the time that they are like doing more serious investigation, uh, like the, the kind that we're talking about in regards to boundaries, um, 
hopefully by then you've already established a rapport with them in that they've figured out that you're you're someone that they want to interact with. And um, I like to always start and protect a contact. And the reason I, I prefaced all this with getting to know them is because for it to uh, work in protected contact, you have to have them be able to come up and uh, come up next to the fence so that you can interact with them. And once that you can do that, then you can teach them to uh, line up. I like to have them line up to the fence so that their shoulder is next to me. And that way their head is not pointed towards me or my pack. And this already will set me up for leading. It'll set them up for um, when they want attention, not to come and nudge me, but just to come and stand beside me, their shoulder beside me. And then that will be my cue to give them attention. Now, if the onus is on the human to pay attention. Once you've given them like, okay, this is how you get attention. Then if you want them to, you know, keep doing this, you have to notice when they're being nice and quiet and beside you. Um, and so that is your first steps in teaching them. This is where I need you to be. If you want something good to happen, I need you to be there. The other thing that's great about working in protected contact is that um, say that you are still working with scratches and they have a tendency to want to scratch you back. You just stop scratching when they stick their head through the fence so that they learn that there is, you know, for them to encroach into your space means that the good things stop. So again, that motivates them to stay out of your personal space. Um, and then when you start to use treats, again, we want to be very low sugar treats. We want to just use hay pellets because as we've talked about, youngsters have emotions and those emotions can get really big, really fast. If you happen to give them uh, maybe carrots when they've never had a carrot before or some uh, part of a, a knicker maker or some kind of traditional treat that has sugar in it and then they're like oh my goodness that is the best thing ever I must have more now and that's um, not what we want so we want to keep everything really low value with them because uh, just anything that can, can distract them too much is not, not something that we want. So when you're in protected contact, you know, and you can start having them touch target, uh, and put your hand in on their side. And I use the method that, um, Peggy Hogan has done such a good job telling everyone and about the back of the hand flip feed. She originated that and it is fantastic because you just put your hand out there so that your fist is closed and they uh, learn that if they were to use their teeth to get to you, they wouldn't get the food. They would just end up getting the back of your hand. And then when they're not trying to grab the food from you, you flip it over and you basically push up into their mouth. A lot of the problems that people have 
uh, feeding is that they drop their hand. They think that they are going to get bit, or if they've gotten bit once, they drop their hand, and then that makes the horse actually try to bite to grab the treat before you can take it away. But if you get in the habit of, um, uh, the other thing with youngsters, a lot of times I'll just like cram a bunch in their mouth. So using hay pellets, you know, if you're worried that they're, they're eating too fast, you can um, moisten them. But you basically just cram as much food in their mouth as possible and let them chew. Um, and that also will calm them down and keep them from eating too fast. The other thing I do is I give them a lot of wet uh, alfalfa cubes. So soak them, make a nice mush, um, I'm sorry, mash, and uh, make sure that they have some before you, you uh, work with food treats so that they're not hungry. Also keep in mind that uh, weanlings have uh, get ulcers, any kind of big changes. Also, if you've just bought a horse and moved them or just moved places that can cause ulcers and ulcers make the horses eat very fast. It can also um, create that where you see that they they might be more, give me the food now, more um, reactionary and uh, what we would say, um, food anxious. So in those cases, we want to treat with a meprazole or gastroguard to help get them back at, at a nice place with their tummy. But um, that's, that's basically uh, the whole key to having a young horse learn exactly where you want them and how to take their food and you start it all in protected contact and it doesn't take very long. Um, again, keep your sessions like less than two minutes, anything more than two minutes and you've already lost their brains um, when you're starting out. They, they will gradually increase their focus, but um, overall you, you just wanna keep it short and always leave them with what we, what we call a jackpot, you know, a, a nice big, uh, food reward. Usually I will make that again, uh, wet alfalfa cubes so that they can eat it and, um, helps their stomach and, and helps their, you know, make them feel like you're walking away, but you still care. You've left them a gift. Yeah, that's all really good information and very helpful. I guess like a follow-up question that I would have to that is, like at what age or what point in working with them do you know that they're sort of ready to start getting the food rewards? Um, well, you know, each one is different, but typically uh, the time that they're, start, they're ready to start going away from you for any distance to touch a target and then come back, when the brain is at that point, then that's usually uh, when you're ready to up to food rewards. It's very difficult to convince them for scratches to walk away from you and go do something and come back. But those behaviors are very important for our development, uh, for them to, you know, whether we're going to ride or drive them or uh, just have them really be able to 
focus for long periods of time when we're not in their sight. So it's, they're important behaviors, but they do usually require some food uh, reinforcers. And a lot of times that's usually, um, they have to be like around seven months before they're they're that far along. Okay, that makes sense. And then I guess also related to that, um, how often would you recommend doing a session with them? Like I would imagine that consistency to some extent is probably important and to make sure you're building those sort of associations with like human is good. We enjoy being with the human. So maybe like pretty often, but really short sessions. Is that what you'd recommend? Yeah, yeah. And I would say one more thing about the food rewards. So one thing that um, when I said, you know, to, about using food reinforcers, I will use, I was talking about the the wet alfalfa cubes. I start using that as soon as they are comfortable eating. I'll use that to give them some, an additional bonus while I'm grooming them or when I'm starting to handle their legs after I've already gotten their cons consent with their legs. But, and then I'll, I'll throw pellets into the mush. You know, they always like the hard ones better than the soft, but um, just to let you know that I, I still will use food, but I will feed them in a pan. That's the first food reinforcers I use is basically in a pan and it's more of um, just going to be doing some here here is some food and while you're eating the food we're going to do some things that you've already agreed to but you know just in case so that you don't get too bored let's have some food here so I'll, I'll use it in that manner um, and then as far as time length goes um, so my last young horse that I, I and I have him currently firefly he was born um, at my place to a rescue mare. Uh, she came in right before she fold, so and she was not halter broke or anything. And so she wasn't really going to be teaching him anything good about people. Her her thing with people was people are scary and run away. But um, he was very curious, and and I, you know, spent some time with him. And I would walk up to the fence after I got to the point of him, you know, coming up to see me and lining up to the fence. And that he was about two weeks old when he really did that consistently. Then while I was working in the yard or, or working around between lessons, I would go over there and I would just, you know, spend a minute um, and do having him line up for scratches and, uh, then maybe do some touch target and then I would walk away and then maybe uh, come back in a couple hours and again do another minute but I, I always wanted to keep it really short because they will start um, trying things that you don't want if you keep working too long so that's the other thing about youngsters is that if you make your training sessions too long then they're going to start inserting how about this? How about this? And with youngsters, that how about this is usually not something you want. So um, a minute, two minutes tops, and then walk away, come back, you know, an hour or two, or 
a few hours later. Uh, there were some times where I didn't get to spend with him for a few days in a row, like maybe three days. Um, wasn't really any loss of his knowledge, but he did get more excited. So keep in mind that if you do skip some days, then they're more likely going to be uh, overly excited and not make the most sense when you um, come back to them. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every other Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.